Hello and welcome to Green Planet Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and entrepreneurs who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Steph Sefandos. Steph is on a truly transformational journey. He's a relational alchemist. Among other major talents, he helps men with a program called Reclaim Your Kingdom, bringing the sacred into every day, claiming our conscious masculinity. Steph is a voice for the voiceless to assist individuals in actualizing the fullness of their potentiality, to relate consciously to each other with authentic love, be a conscious steward of earth and continue to evolve and expand the entirety of his being. This is his humble gift to humanity and to his own self. So with these words and without further ado, welcome to the show, Steph. Uh, very happy to be here, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Let's jump right in. I know you have quite the story and I want to get some like new and raw diamonds out of your, your being, you know? So like, give me, give us a little bit of an insight. Like how did you make it from adversity to freedom? Cause I know there's quite a bit of adversity you had to go through in order to arrive yeah. in this free, powerful man you are today. Yeah. Thank you, brother. You know, it's interesting. I was having this conversation yesterday with a dear friend of mine and we were talking about adversity specifically. And we were talking about what does it mean to move through pain and discomfort and the difficulty that we experience in life to come through that and be another human being, literally, I mean, physiologically at a cellular level to be another human being and also behaviorally and spiritually, emotionally, relationally, how we relate to the world, how we see ourselves and so forth. And we're talking about, she just got actually, she just got back from Germany. And so that, her and her, her family, went, her father and her sister actually just went on a little bit of a, a tour connecting to their roots and connecting to some of their heritage and their culture. And part of her family story, there's a lot of suffering and pain there from her father. She didn't get to experience that because she was born in the US. And we we're talking about stories and we we're talking about comparing stories, so to speak. And it's like, we think about, and I even think about my own grandparents, my own grandfather, who was in World War II and he was fighting for Italy. I'm half Italian, half Greek. And then Mussolini was overthrown, or rather he, he died. Um, and all of a sudden, Italy is no longer an ally to, to Germany, but rather their enemies. And so he was captured. He was in a war camp. Um, he was there for about three years. Atrocities occurred there as well. He survived that, came out of that. He moved to Australia spent five years on his own. I'm giving you a very short version of this, right? Spent yeah. five years on his own, trying to accumulate as much money as he could to send my mother, to bring my mother and my grandmother over from Italy because they were so poor. Um, there were times where he just couldn't eat for years and years. And not, he couldn't, of course, he was eating during the years, but there were many times where he just couldn't eat. He had to save money. And this, I think about some of those stories and I think about my story and it's difficult to say, well, my story was a walk in the park. Mm. But we forget sometimes that what we experience is our own and how we interpret that, it's no less or no more worse or painful than anyone else's story. And so for me, what I, I believe was very important for me, I had to make the decision to look at my pain, to face it, all of it, to face the trauma, the abuse, the physical, the emotional abuse, the volatility, all the judgments I experienced as a child, the disconnections, the isolation, all of that, and make a choice to look at that and not isolate it within myself, not numb out 
on alcohol or pornography or infidelity or pursuing pursuing money incessantly without caring or giving a fuck about anything else or anyone else like all all the things that we do to distract ourselves from what we're truly feeling and i did that for so many years and so when i came to a point where i just couldn't i couldn't handle that anymore because the distractions i needed more of them and they just enough was never enough. Enough was never enough. Eh? Hey, you know, it's, it was just it was just more and more and more. And so, the facade of that, the masks, it just got so tiring. And it got to a point where telling the truth and being very honest with myself and with others was far easier. Although it was very painful coming face to face with all that, was far easier than continuing to live a lie and pretending that everything was okay when really it wasn't. And so that was, that was a big part of my journey is, is the acceptance of who I really was and started and I began to embrace myself as a whole person and started to look at myself as here are some of my great qualities that I, I deeply admire and here are the qualities in me that I don't admire. I've been run, running from for 20, 30 years. And so how can I look at my life very differently now to incorporate all of that so I can actually choose consciously with awareness who I want to be in the world? And that was, a, that, I mean, that was a ultimate, ultimately the intensity of that uh, dream was, was very, it was years of work, years of attention to that, deep, deep, deep attention. And the, the, the practice is constant. Now, I had a question today around if we make a massive transformation in our lives, can we still go back to who we were, that, you know, that negative or unhealthy or toxic self? And my response was, immediately yes we can we can fall back into that pattern even if we don't want to because if we're pushed to our edge and we don't have we haven't developed the coping strategies the healthy coping strategies we don't have a a a deeper sense of self we'll revert back to what is familiar and what we know and what's easy and so it's not it's not a constant or daily battle but it is an awareness it is a daily awareness of who do i choose to be every day a hundred percent, because that's where the freedom comes in, right? I feel yeah. like you're, you, you, you went back all the way to another generation before us, which is our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. And so if you look at it, it's in our DNA. Our DNA is coming from like a, you know, we're, we're somewhat a rather primitive species as humans. And so our forefathers quite literally went through so much adversity and so much competition to the death, unfortunately, right? Yeah. And so we're like the first ones in a long time who, kind of have the privilege to to lift up our heads into the conscious realms of exploring who we are and mm. i like what you're saying because you're saying if you don't practice every day though it will just kind of go back to what the dna yeah. finds you to yeah i mean you, we have to be deliberate and that was the thing for me i wasn't deliberate i was very scattered and fractured as, a, as an individual and so i wasn't clear on what i wanted and so i would just default in terms of my actions i would just default to what was easy and what was easy for me was behaving out of integrity, was being dishonest, was living in lies, was not being a healthy human being, not being a healthy man in the world. That was just easy because I used that as, as masks to cover up my insecurities or to cover up my fears and my pains. And so it was also not only easy and convenient, it was also uh, to some extent nurturing and life-saving. It was, the, it was the ego's way of protecting self. And so we have to go into that deliberately to begin to shift it. Otherwise, it's always, always going to be that way, which is living a life that we don't really want to live, that we're not really connected to, but we're doing it out of habit. 
habits that we formed as a, as a child that, that was once a protective coping mechanism, a psychological, emotional coping mechanism. But right now as an adult, it doesn't serve us. A hundred percent. I use the word freedom deliberately here because I've heard you talk about freedom and discipline quite a few times mm. where, where you kind of explain how mm. discipline or, or self-love even equaling mm. discipline in that sense, mm. right? Like is your pathway to freedom. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and discipline is one characteristic. Discipline is one virtue specifically for men, for everyone, of course, that we can apply. And it's that, it's that discipline is consistency. So when we're consistent in who we are and how we show up in our behaviors and our thoughts and our frameworks and our models of reality and our belief systems and how we do what we do every day, when we're consistent in that and we're deliberate, it's, it's thoughtful action, it becomes more meaningful. It, we, we feel fulfilled in life. Whereas I remember in my, in my days where I was just going on repeat and not really thinking about why am I behaving this way? Why am I actually doing this? Is this really normal? Like, is it normal to be unfaithful consistently in a relationship? Is it normal to have these cycles of making a lot of money in a month and then for three or four months making no money? Like, is that really normal? But for me, I would blame everyone else. Oh, maybe it's the market. Oh, this is just what men do. Uh, industry and business isn't good at the moment. The economy is failing. Oh, I don't have the skills right now. Or I don't have enough money or capital behind me to invest in the business structures that I want. And, and when I do, then it will all be okay. And I wasn't taking responsibility for me. And that was a learned behavior. I witnessed that, that, that helplessness victim mentality and that diffusing of responsibility in my father, my primary masculine uh, role model. Yeah, and yeah. so I just behaved that way for so many years without giving it any thought. It's very insightful the way you share into, you know, literally adversity and, and struggles and also just really would, would be without labeling it too negatively, but just like label negative behavior or poor behavior, right? Because it's, it's poor because it will never end in that sense. I feel like the ego's behavior, when I look at my own egoic tendencies, when they show up, there is never enough, as you said. There's, there's not enough money, not enough uh, fun, not enough sex, not enough women, all of that. The moment you start acting from ego, there's just not enough. You, yeah. Your ego is always like, what, what about this? And what about that? Yeah. And so really bringing it, kind of going from the consciousness of a boy into the consciousness of a truly conscious man. Mm. That's the journey, right? Mm. And that's what we're here for. And I think that's, that's why I'm having you on today because I feel like you're, you're such a strong um, reflection of experiencing both having experienced the downside and maybe haven't gotten it out of your system to really understand, no, that's actually how this works, overcoming those addictions and now giving people the tools, the techniques, the confidence, mm. and also the vulnerability to, to face all this, you know? Yeah. That's a big part of it, bro. I think you hit the, you hit it really sharply there with the vulnerability piece. I think the, the, the seminal work of Brene Brown has, has changed the, the cultural landscape around that word vulnerability. Mm. And that's a great thing. And, you know, we can't have vulnerability without directly experiencing in parallel courage. And courage is a trait, a character trait that we all value in any and every human being. And I, I think to be, to be very real and very raw and open with what we're feeling and experiencing and to be able to go down that path and take ownership, deliberate ownership of that and be disciplined to continue to self-reflect and be deeper, be deeper aware of who we are is, is courageous on, on many, many levels. And I think, I think beyond that as well, we have an opportunity to see ourselves in a way that we've never seen ourselves before. 
and that's something that I, I, I value, I value deeply. And, and I'm curious, man, I, you, know, you mentioned earlier around, um, you, you mentioned something around exploration and, and, mm. and how we've, how so many of our, our ancestors have really died quite violently because we lived in such a, a, a harsh environment, physical environment. Surviving on a day-to-day basis was so difficult. Now we live in such an easy world. We have Absolutely. space to think about these things, to contemplate. Um, in the Renaissance period and, and also ancient Greece and ancient Egypt even brought these, this, this practice of philosophizing in deeper. But now more than ever, we're so, we're so blessed that we can have space for, for so many of us in the Western world particularly we have space to just think about life and think about our actions and contemplate deeper. What does it mean to be human as one of many questions, of course, who am I, who really truly am I in the world? Totally. Why are we doing the thing we're doing as a society at large? Right. Because a lot of these cycles, they, they're just self-perpetuating because we never had the time to actually kind of look beyond the horizon and realize, Oh, wow. Mm. Um, This game between nations about territory, this could go on forever and ever. Mm. And it's just neither sustainable nor beautiful, nor really honoring the soul of one where we realize you're my, my actual brother. Right. Mm. So I think as we are arising in this, this shift of consciousness, we're also goes for me personally, uh, I'll I'll be the first one. We need to acknowledge the privilege we have, right? Because this world is still in a massive inequality at this point. Mm. Um, And so there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. And this is part of why this podcast exists is to over the long run, no matter how long it takes, you know, create a form of a holistic vision that actually um, kind of mentions or creates a form of a, a resolution that can be signed either by nations or the geopolitical um, people in power to understand, hey, we're actually going this direction as a shared humanity. And right now we have the SDGs as like a, a cleanup plan, a to-do list, right? To, to kind of fix global warming, mm. which I think is amazing and needs to be done. And then what, right? And in order, in order for that, I think um, we need to, or we get to, we truly get to clean up ourselves on the inside and then from a conscious path, actually embody as much as we can day by day, kind of overcoming even the occult control systems and the, the governmental powers and the geopolitical powers that are currently at play because there, there's lots of that going on without falling into conspiracy theories that is certainly not, you know, it's, it's not interested in the world being in a more equal place. And no, yet at the same not. time, there's lots of people that are, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, I don't think that's a, a conspiracy theory. It's, it's a product, it's a simple byproduct and an effect of the socioeconomic models that we're living by and what, how they've perpetuated totally. over time, how they've expanded and developed over time. And the truth of it is any meaningful transformation at a, at a large collective level is going to require a top-down approach where leaders of the world or, or leaders of a country or leaders of an area are coming together and recognizing that transformation is required. And equally to that, in parallel, a grassroots approach is taking place where every individual yeah, yeah is, is assuming responsibility and, and, and empowered ownership of self and the choices that they're making. Now, you can have one or the other, but the impact and the transformation is firstly not going to be as deep and secondly, not going to be as fast. And so there is this collaboration. It's not about us and them. It's the people versus the, 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 the leaders of the world. We're not separate. We're all connected. There's no, 
there's no walls that separate. There's no massive walls that separate wind coming in from the north to the south or uh, to the south or or uh, sea currents moving from one ocean to the next. I mean, we don't have that level of segregation. We're all interconnected in an intricate web of life more than we think and know. But if we don't own that and as individuals, we don't get ourselves because here's a thing that I've, that I've learned in my life. When we're wounded, when we, when we come and live from pain and fear, we're in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Physiologically, we're, we're running a program where our hormonal profile is not healthy. We're releasing more stress hormones than ever. There's nothing wrong with stress. Stress is healthy. We need stress. It helps us survive. But to be in a constant low-level state or mid-level state of stress consistently, that's not healthy. And so that impacts, our physiology impacts our mental constructs and our models of reality. And it automatically places us in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, you're narrow-viewed, you're hyper-selfish, you're more concerned about how can I just be okay with where I'm at as opposed to coming up with solutions for humanity or for your family or for community or whatever it may be. Yeah. Because those and, solutions yeah. are all connected to a beyond your individual existence Correct. Uh, kind of way of thinking, right? That's the, the native way of looking at the earth of seven generations into mm. the past and into the future. And yes, that's why I find it so, so curious how you mentioned uh, generations before us, because we're coming out of, a uh, time window of deep, deep suffering on this planet. So I think yeah. the, the time we're experiencing right now with so much contrast and, you know, a technological revolution that none of us can control um, even now anymore, you know, I feel like it's just natural that so many of us are like, okay, head down. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even it's imagine. It's too overwhelming. Because I mean, I, I, I was having a conversation about three days ago with a friend of mine around artificial intelligence. And where is that actually going? And, and how are we going to cope with the, the runaway expression of artificial intelligence if that, if that happens? Mm. It, it, we're literally talking about a, a Terminator 2 scenario. And it's not that difficult to comprehend that. This isn't a conspiracy theory or this isn't a far-fetched um, science fiction theory. Yeah, this is, one of this the is very real. Yeah, yeah it's, one, it's one of many possibilities that... We're playing with fire in many respects as a humanity. I'm not saying technology is bad. Technology is amazing. Mm. But if we aren't, you know, you know, do you know Ken Wilber? Are you familiar with Ken Wilber? Yeah. So Ken Wilber gives a beautiful analogy and he speaks to the six or seven stages of awareness or consciousness. And so he, I'll, I'll give this short story of it. If, if, and there's various expressions in life. So there's technology, there's culture, there's relationships, there's health, vitality, et cetera, spirituality. So if our culture, if our, sorry, if our technology is at a maybe level five or level six consciousness, yet our emotional sovereignty, our ability to relate healthily, our mindset and mind state is at a level two. He's basically saying it's like a toddler wielding a gun, wielding a loaded gun. That's a problem. And so if our consciousness, if our self-awareness, our emotional intelligence our, the way that we relate to ourselves, the health of our nature, if that's not in integrity and we're playing with technology, we're playing with tools, culture, socioeconomic tools, sociocultural tools, geopolitical tools that are more advanced than our ability to emotionally cope with that. Oh, that's a recipe for danger and disaster. And it's evident in what's happening in the world now. 
100%. I, I like how you're paraphrasing that because I, I guess the only logical consequence in a conscious context is we have to evolve our consciousness. We have yeah. to continue to practice. And we have to continue to help each other in our practice rather than, mm. and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love when someone is sharp and can help me um, by calling out what I'm doing wrong, but rather than calling out what everyone else is doing wrong, it's about collaborating to reach a higher level of emotional sensitivity, emotional intelligence, and also, of course, intellectual intelligence and just mm. pure, pure state of awareness. Mm. But I really find in this time we're in, um, part of a strong conscious masculine is to have and create equal space for a strong and conscious feminine. Mm. both within myself as well as within my partner as well as within my friends and then therefore the community and the world I walk through and as you know like we're there's a good community of, of people who's working on that and then there's mm. also a lot of work still to do yeah yeah for sure and I love what you said for me when you say that I just think to myself instead of each individual coming from a lopsided perception and perspective of reality we're just coming from a, a more balanced place so when, we're, mm. when we're talking about masculine and feminine expressive energies within that reside within every human being within every sentient being we're just speaking to finding a balance in how we communicate and express and if you're a man to be in your healthy masculine and to take ownership of that is empowering and as a woman to be in your healthy feminine that's also empowering and so there's a, i think there's a, there is a crossover between biology and culture and uh, emotional and relational expression uh, and it's it's about finding that balance and it's not about being extreme in one way or the other and we find that whenever we're extreme in life we're out of homeostasis and we're in a constant state of stress and so every living organism i'm looking outside now to my right i'm looking at um i'm, I'm sort of not surrounded by forests but i'm surrounded by by greenery it's, it's really beautiful Every single plant here at some level is striving for homeostasis. And when it's not, it does everything it can to get back into that place. Mm -hmm. If we're too much in our masculine, or if we're too much in our feminine, we're out of whack and out of balance. And so we're going to compensate with various behaviors. And more often than not, it's not super healthy. And of course, that goes without saying at this point in time, that goes for anyone, no matter which gender we identify with, Correct. or no, no matter which constellation of our sexual expression we have. Like this is Correct. just an expression on the spectrum, but all of us have this experience on the inside. I love that you mentioned the plant world because when I look at plants, one of the things that um, actually uh, meditation as well as conscious exploration of psychedelica has kind of helped mm. me with is to understand beyond the mind, but to feel that the plants are all truly connected. The trees are all truly connected through mycelium of mushroom as well as through the root and, and, and earth kind of uh, web, right? Mm. Do you have a, a story about conscious use of psychedelica? Is it something you, you can talk yeah. about, like an, yeah, an experience sure. that you can highlight? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I, there, was a, there was a phase there a couple of years ago where I, I went deep into DMT and I was I was regularly taking DMT, and and so my it was it was my or DMT from acacia, not five from acacia. So I've done five meo as well, which was remarkable. Um, that was that was a very deep experience. Actually, I should probably speak to that as well, but I'll speak to both. So DMT from acacia, and and it, go, it was go from, in, yeah, yeah, it was from a local. Um, so this was in Australia when I was in Australia, and we the acacia plant there grows wildly all over. So I had a gentleman that was making it in the most natural way he possibly could he, he he was meditating with a plant he was blessing the plant it was it was a, a deep spiritual practice around this i was very blessed to have, make contact with this man and so my friend and i 
who I'm very, very close with, who's a, who's a brother on so many levels, um, we would regularly be going into these journeys and, and really ceremonially setting it up. And in my, in my home at that time, it was so beautiful. Um, it, it's my family home. We still have that home. And I, I purposely had set the lounge room up. It was a big, quite a big space. And I set that lounge room up just to be a space of receiving, but also giving an access point. And I remember regularly, sometimes weekly, going into these journeys and wanting to, the, the desire or the intention was exploration and openness to exploration and to, to be very open to receiving whatever message, whatever intuition, instruction, insight, whatever it was, to be very open and to not, to not judge that insight. To, 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 that, that was the practice essentially, not to judge or try and overthink the insights that, was, that I was receiving and I was experiencing on these journeys. And that, that was a new practice for me because, again, I was very accustomed to judgment, very accustomed to reason, very accustomed to having to overthink what I was experiencing. Mm. And so that taught me more how to receive and how to surrender and still hold myself in that. So the receiving element, the feminine element, element and the holding of that container, the masculine element. So I was practicing both. And that was a beautiful experience, yeah. And the 5MEO... Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. The 5-MEO, I've only done once and, and would like to go back there. Very powerful, very powerful medicine. Um, very powerful medicine. And I, I was in that experience for probably 90 minutes or so. I was, I was deep in it, man. It was, it was amazing. And for me, the way I explain it is that the DMT from the Akasha, it's like you can touch God and see God, whereas the 5-MEO... I realized Godhead. I realized I was God. You are God. We are God. Everything is God. And whether it's, you want to use another term such as the, the, the fully self-realized or the fully realized self or uh, another, another term, whatever it may be, you are the, the unified cosmos. It, it was an experience of, I mean, I just basically cried for 90 minutes, mm. literally just tears of, or, or an inspiration, uh, but at the deepest levels I've, I've, and you know, the interesting thing is brother, I've experienced very similar, similar experiences before from practices of gratitude and through breath practice alone. So without any other substances besides breath and even just the internal state of moving through gratitude and being connected to nature, being in nature, I've had very similar experiences to that before, not quite as intense, mm but not that far off. So that, that interests me with what, the, what the, the human organism can do when we're, in, when we're in integrity and alignment with ourselves and our focus is on a particular area of existence. Powerful, right? When we bring mm. attention and intention and mm. breath together, that similar states are possible. Thank you so much for going into the topic of mm. plant medicines and mm. psychedelica. I think it, it deserves that we speak about it in a conscious manner. Yeah so that the culture around it can can slightly shift yes uh, ever so more i have a follow-up question to to that topic and i feel like mm. you already touched about it a bit what i want to feel from you is like what is required for you to experience trust it's a really deep question man it's a really powerful question for me brother if i don't trust myself I project that mistrust onto others. 
And I find it very, very difficult to experience trust in others and trust in my environment mm. when I'm not connected to myself at that deep level. Mm. And it makes me very sad. Very sad. I, I literally feel, I feel, I feel the sadness in my being. Beautiful answer. I definitely felt that uh, there's a resonance, right? And when we, when we believe with others, there's like a, an agreement that isn't like a yes or yeah, that comes from our cerebral mm. head brain, but it comes from the deep gut. Exactly. It's this like mm. breathing out. And mm, that's a, a feeling of, of understanding one's belief. I, I resonate there strongly. Uh, mm. I feel like trust is one of the biggest topics in our society mm. at a large between individuals, between countries, between faith groups. That's, yeah. that's why I love to explore this question. Let me shift it and change it up a little bit. I have some rapid fire questions prepared. Mm. And then yeah, I have of course. two more questions for you before we wrap up. Please. Okay, so ocean water or lake water? What do you prefer? Oh, ocean water all day, every day. Meat or veggies? Vegetables if I had to choose. Water or kombucha? Oh, that sucks, man. That's a really <laughs> water. Uh, if you want something done right, do it yourself or better as a team? The immediate answer that comes to me is it really depends on the situation. And if I had to choose better as a team. I know they're not, they're not easy because they're always like, oh, well, maybe both. Cannabis or alcohol? Cannabis. Pfft, easy. <laughs> Jungle or desert? Jungle all day. Steph, what is happiness to you? For me, happiness is when I'm clear on my vision and I act in congruency with that vision and that I feel meaning in my life. I experience fulfillment and meaning and that lays the foundation for experiential happiness. Yeah, let's let that resonate. I like that. Yeah. And then my question that actually started the podcast, which is, we touched on it a little earlier. What mm. if we were to go and zoom out a little bit and, and say there's seven generations into the future, which is roughly about 210 years. So mm. we had a vision for humanity, right? It could be a written vision. It could be just a feeling place. Um, it can be detailed. It doesn't have to be. But if there is a vision, like an earth vision, and we zoom out 200 years, how, how would you describe your piece of it? Like, what is your holistic vision for planet Earth? You know, I've been thinking about this for probably 20 to 25 years. I really have, um, since I was a young child. The, the, the one word to describe my vision is unification. And the, the, the analytical part of me, the prefrontal cortex keep kicking in, uh, knows that that's a massive, massive challenge that humanity is facing is, is unifying the difference and unifying uh, our ideas and unifying our cultures and religions and spiritualities and thoughts and ideals and, and values and all of that. And also the brain reconcile. We have to purposely up-level ourselves. And that, we're going to go back to artificial intelligence for a moment. Maybe the only way we're going to be able to do that is through, the, is through artificial intelligence. And what I mean by that is like we're at a point in our existence now that 
our brain can't fathom 8 billion people and being intimate and unified with 8 billion people. Like our brain can literally physically not handle that. So we have to have this organism up-leveling, not only this spiritual or cognitive or psychological up-leveling, but there's an up-leveling in so many ways. Unification is where it's at and inclusivity. And that, that, that doesn't mean that we, we don't experience exclusivity, but how we experience it is changing dramatically as opposed to, oh, there's an, there's an exclusion. There's a separation. Let's go to war. Let's fight. Let's dominate. Instead of that, let's go back a little bit and say, okay, there's an exclusion. There's a difference here. What does it mean? How can we all benefit from it? And it's a, it's, it's, it's a complete reframe of how we've done business. Not just business doesn't mean economics. I'm talking about businesses in the business of being human. Mm. How we've done everything needs to shift dramatically. And I don't know if I have the detailed answer. I'm working on it. And I know many other people like Peter Joseph, Jacques Fresco, you know, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, um, Marx, um, Martin Luther the King, uh, uh, Gandhi, um, and, and so many more people. I mean, even, even Donald Trump in his own way, he has a vision for the future, whether it's aligned with what you and I may, and I, I say you and I, because I think we, we share a very similar, I feel that we share a very similar vision. Um, is it aligned with ours? Maybe not, but we, most people that are thinking about the world ahead have a vision. And it's about creating a cohesion in that vision and how we do that. And I don't know completely yet, brother. That's something that I'm still very much thinking about and feeling into. Well, thanks for, for giving it a shot and to, to verbalize <laughs> some of that territory. Because, you know, there's another piece of even just going into the territory um, of, of, of answering this question is there is no right or wrong answer. Yeah. And it's, it's something our, you, you mentioned it, our head brain isn't really used to... Mm be exposed in the territory of there is no right or wrong. Actually, our head brain only knows yes, no, right, wrong, right? So thank you so much for sharing that. I, I very much um, resonate with this one simple word of unification and there's a very yeah. complex uh, kind of cause and effect that comes with it. And I think I know for myself, I, I, would, I would not want to claim or pretend that I know the full cause and effect of the universe. So one step at a time, I'm here to experience it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, brother. For sure. Steph, is there anything you'd want to share? You want to shout out or you want to like um, call to action people into like checking some of your workout or, you know, like this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah no, I appreciate that, man. Look, you can check me out. You can find me on stephanossefandos.com. And uh, I have some amazing programs for men and women commencing in middle of October. And so I'm very excited about those programs. Uh, and you're more than welcome to have a look at the website there. It's one of them is for men. It's called Reclaim Your Kingdom. And the other is for, for women. It's called Be the Queen. And with that, I'm very blessed to be running that program with my, um, she will be my wife at that point, my fiance now, but my wife. And we're running that program together, really just uh, helping ladies find themselves at deeper levels and attract a king into their lives that they know they deserve as well. So that's really for, for single ladies, that, that particular program. Um, and more importantly, you can you know, find me on Instagram and Facebook, um, Stephanos Safandos. Uh, there's a lot of information I put out there in terms of asking questions, getting a, a global discussion happening, uh, thought-provoking material. I'll put a lot out there. And I purposely do that. I give a lot and give a lot and give a lot. And honestly, when I'm giving so much, I receive a lot. It, it forces me and it asks of me to think of life in a very different way. 
And so uh, there's lots of information you can find out out there on the social media channels. Really cool. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, brother. I appreciate being here. And that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I truly hope you had a good time listening to this interview and gain some form of new perspective, insight or knowledge that serves you, that enriches your life. And if that's the case, make sure to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, follow the social media on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and simply be part of the conversation one step at a time. Wherever you are, have yourself a stellar day.